I really love to preach on Easter Sundays. There's not a greater message. There's not a greater theme for preaching. There's nothing that can compare to the theme of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things I like to do on Thursday or Friday before Easter is go through the sermon themes in the newspaper. They're going to be preached on Easter Sunday just to see what the topics, what the focus of the message is going to be. I came across one. It wasn't this year. Because if I told you one about this year, you'd go home and get Thursday's paper. See who it is. Blame me for criticizing some other preacher in the community. That was a couple of years ago. The title of the sermon was, Easter is a time for flowers. What a daisy of a theme that is. When you read the John 19, however, you could say there ends an excellent biography of a wonderful man. It talks about Jesus' death. In those last verses we read now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So with all other great men, it was over at that point. I enjoy reading the biographies of outstanding men and women who have lived, made major contributions. I've read a lot of them. I'm sure that you have read a lot also. It talks about the person, but it ends up always with the fact that they died. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you today. In the introduction of your notes, all great men end up dead. If you stop at the end of John 19, if you did not have John 20, you would say, the man was a great man. He died. He was a wonderful martyr. He had a terrific cause. He was a great teacher. We would have the tendency to close the book and say, that was a great man that I'll always respect. But as we look at the resurrection, if Jesus did not arise, then he is not the Son of God. The Old Testament prophecies then are not true. The cross of Calvary has absolutely no purpose except for the fact that a martyr had died. Followers of Jesus who had seen the resurrection of Jesus then were liars. The New Testament is just a myth. Jesus is an imposter. Prayer is a mockery. The great doctrines of the church are just a figment of someone's imagination. Millions of martyrs, including those who claim to have known Jesus, have died in vain. Evangelism is a useless exercise. Missionaries have no reason to go across the seas. The second coming of Christ is a false hope. There's no heaven, and the Christian faith is destroyed. If there's no resurrection, we might as well pack up and go home. Why is it then that Jesus was so unknown on Easter? Let me give you five reasons this morning why Jesus was unknown on Easter. In your notes, number one, Mary was looking for a dead Christ. And Mary was looking for a dead Christ. She was making a mistake on that day that many people are still making today. She looked at Jesus as the fact that had come and he had died. Just a historical figure. One whom she loved, adored. One who had come into her life, who had walked with her, had changed her. But now she was looking at him as a dead Christ. Just look at John 20, verses 1 and 2. Please read it with me together out loud. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the tomb had been rolled away. 
from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put it. I want you to notice that she did not come to the tomb to witness the resurrection. She came to the tomb to anoint, just to prepare the body of a person who was dead. When she saw that his body had been removed from that tomb, she did not think in terms of a resurrection. She thought in terms of someone who had come and taken or stolen his body. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, look at his compassion, the example of his sacrifice, there's a tendency also for us just to admire him as he was on earth. And Mary came that morning. She came for that reason. She just met, Jesus had met her a lot to her in her life. Heard the story of a couple of days ago to help you to fix our minds on the thought for a moment. It's a story of a father, a father who was bragging to his son. He said, I'm the best duck hunter around. He kept bragging to his son. Finally, his son got old enough to go duck hunting with him. He just loved to duck, hunt ducks. They got out there. They prepared a blind. The father said to his son, and I never missed. I never have missed. He got the blind prepared, and they lay still for quite some time. Pretty soon, a semi-retarded duck came flying over, low and slow. The father saw this duck and said, here's the opportunity I've been waiting for. He grabbed his shotgun, raised it up at that semi-retarded duck, let both barrels fly. And there was smoke all over the place. It was incredible. When the smoke cleared, the semi-retarded duck was still moving on, slow and low. The father didn't really know what to say to his son. Finally, he said, son, you have just witnessed a miracle. There goes a dead duck. In Mary's mind, she came to see Jesus who had died. She could not conceive of him being alive. So she wanted to know what happened to his body. She came to search for a dead Christ. So Jesus was unknown to her. Number two in your notes. The second reason Jesus was unknown was because the disciples did not understand God's word. They didn't understand God's word. They had walked with Jesus for three years, yet they did not understand God's word. Just look at John 20, verse 4. This is where the two disciples are running together. They were both running. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It is interesting that there are only two times that running is ever spoken of in the New Testament, unless it was used in a metaphorical sense. Only two times. And both times it is to tell the Easter story. So when you notice the Easter message is exciting enough to get you and I running. Look at John 20, verse 9. For until then, they still hadn't understand the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Disciples did not understand his teaching. They somehow had missed the fact that on the third day he was going to arise. Therefore, they were left out of the joy of the resurrection on Easter morning. Jesus was unknown to them because they didn't understand God's word. Number three in your notes. The third reason Jesus is unknown on Easter. Father did not pers- the disciples did not persist in finding Jesus. Look at John 20, verse 10. The disciples then went home, back home. The disciples did not persist in their searching. In a moment you will see how Mary, she did, persist. 
and she stayed there in the garden. She wasn't about to leave until she found the body of Jesus. Disciples looked in. He was gone and went back home. Later we note that they went back to their homes to shut doors, back to locked doors, back to their fears. You see in your notes, the disciples, they had no hope. And when you have no hope, Easter is nothing but another day. The resurrection has nothing you can take hold of in your own heart because you have no hope. You have no faith. When you remove the hope, then you remove the light that shines in the darkest hours. When you remove hope, you remove that energy that energizes the body when it's tired. They looked into the tomb. They didn't see Jesus. When they didn't didn't see him, they went back to the same fears, those the same shut doors, to the same darkness, to the same questions, to the same discouragement. So Jesus was unknown to them. Number four in your notes. The fourth reason they didn't know Jesus, Mary's disappointment affected her discernment. Mary's disappointment was so great, it affected her discernment, affected her perception. We see this picture of disappointment in John 20. It's interesting that the four Gospels each treat the resurrection in a little different way. Matthew, he talks about the majesty and the glory of the resurrection. Mark, he talks about the very fact that there was a resurrection. Luke, in his passages, talk about the spiritual necessity of the resurrection. There's a, that's where our faith is. But in John's report, he talks about the feelings, about the feelings of those who love Jesus the most, how the res- resurrection affected them. So look at John 20, verses 11 to 15. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear women, why are you crying? Why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I'll go and get him. We we look at Mary here. She was so discouraged. She was so much in despair. On the back of your notes, the depth of Mary's loss exhibits the depth of her love. The love that she had for the Lord was so great that when she came to the tomb that morning, she was willing to try to roll a stone away. She was so lost in her disappointment of our Lord Jesus. She was think- her thinking has been affected. Maybe you have experienced a similar lostness at a funeral, for example, of a loved one. After it was all over, someone said that they had been there, and you didn't remember. You just didn't remember who was all there in your grief. So Mary's disappointment affected her discernment. She was unknown. Jesus was unknown to her. Finally, number five in your notes, the last reason that Jesus was unknown on Easter, Thomas withdrew from Christian fellowship. Thomas had withdrawn from Christian fellowship with the disciples. Look at John 20, verse 24. One of the disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Later, when the disciples shared with Thomas, Thomas said, Unless I place my hand on his side and touch the wounds of the nails in his hands, I would not believe. He withdrew from the Christian fellowship. 
happens all the time. You have to be among other brothers and sisters in Christ. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, to have your faith strengthened, to be encouraged, and to keep strong. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 25. Please read it with me together out loud. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially, now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are not to forsake meeting together. It is great to come together at Easter time, at Christmas time, but that's not enough. Once or twice just to know Jesus, he will be forever unknown to you. You must continually gather together. You must continually be a part of the Christian fellowship. You must be a part of the body of Christ and share the faith and encourage one another. Gather at the Lord's table regularly. Thomas, he was not in the crowd. And because he was not there when Jesus came, he missed him. But what I really love about this whole account is that Jesus in your notes, Jesus came back. Jesus came back for Thomas. Some of you have missed Jesus. You may be thinking, I've missed the power of the resurrection in my life. I've never really grasped the fact that Jesus died and he rose again for me. The good news is that Jesus came back also for Thomas. He continually comes back for each one of us. In the sacrament of Holy Communion, Jesus gives to us in, with, and under that bread and that wine, the very body shed for us on the cross, his very blood given for the forgiveness of sins. So again and again, we celebrate the real presence of Christ at the Lord's table. So he's inviting you to commune with him today. And each time we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, Jesus is truly a God of second chances. So in conclusion, please note three statements to the question, what really changed Mary and changed the disciples? What took them from their despair and their discouragement to a position of joy and happiness and boldness? Number one, in your notes, just the absence of Jesus did not change them. Because when they saw that his body was not there in the tomb, they were still disillusioned and hopeless. So just the absence of the body did not make them bold. Number two in your notes, the report. The report of Jesus' resurrection itself did not change them. Look at John 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene found found the disciples and she told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. When Mary ran back to the disciples and said, Jesus is not there, that did not change them. They were still behind the locked doors. It, was, it wasn't the absence of Jesus. It wasn't the report of Jesus' resurrection. Then what really, really did change them? Through the shut doors, through the walls of their discouragement, Jesus entered the room. And Jesus said, peace, peace be with you. Number three in your notes. It's only the presence of Jesus that changes them in the upper room. It was his coming. It was his walking into that room, walking into the very lives. This is the only thing that can change them to you. Hope of Jesus, but do not know him in your heart as your Savior and your Lord. The fact that the tomb is empty, that won't change you. My reporting to you in this sermon will not change you. With all their problems, with your frustrating situations, with all your needs. The only thing that can change you is the coming of Jesus into your heart. His touching you in faith with his forgiveness. His teaching you with his word. His forgiving you. Feeding you at the Lord's table. His encouraging you through the fellowship of his church. Because Jesus, 
Jesus wants to be made known to you today. Amen.